This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. You tuned in to another episode of the Scars and Guitars podcast. I'm very grateful that you can join me for this chat with vocalist Kurt Dima. Kurt's been around for a while. He's probably more notable for his success in business, as you'll hear throughout the chat. But he's got a new EP. It's available now. Check it out. It's titled Work Hard, Rock Hard. I am enjoying it. It's a little outside of my usual listening taste, but I've got to tell you, this conversation with Kurt, he's an extremely likable guy, so it's very easy to relate to his music on that basis. If you're listening via the podcast app, you're going to hear a tune, and this one features a collaboration between Kurt and the great Jeff Tate from Queenshrike. Love that band. You'll hear that in a sec if you've tuned in via the podcast app, but if you're tuning in via YouTube, you know I can't bloody play music on there because of all of the rules around that. We'll cut to the chat right now. So let's go. Breath is breath, and death is death. No respect, there's nothing left. These are the times, newspapers are all jaded. Behind the lines, all the postcards now are faded. Burn together, feel the pain. When we are all one, we can sustain. It's the only way the spell comes undone. Nothing is private, no landline in the room. Secrets are hacked, wait. Down, you don't have to believe Can't let it break you 
table set No family dinner tonight Nanny instead With camera on her tight Children raised by a mother No, that's not right Mom and dad drinking Andrew, how are you, brother? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Uh, thanks for joining. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right, I might, I might have to keep moving around because I'm outside in LA, and everywhere I go, there's like somebody doing lawn work. <laughs> <laughs> mate, just it sounds like around me, mate. So no, all good, mate. I can hear you loud and clear. So, uh, oh, good, good. So no worries whatsoever. Yeah, what's the, uh, what's the, uh, what's the day held for you? Right up until this point, mate, just a regular business as usual day kind of thing. Yeah, well, I'm out in L.A. We're getting ready to play the 50th anniversary Rainbow Show. So that's coming up on Sunday at the Rainbow Room in West Hollywood on Sunset. Yeah. And then I, uh, I've i got another interview after yours and another article I've got to fill out questions for. So. Good on you, mate. So, so obviously there's busy there's things, man. Yeah, trying I mean, to make people familiar with Kurt Dimer, you know, and what we got going on. So, I appreciate you having me, man. No, no, I appreciate you coming onto the show, mate. You know, I was compelled to have you on when when Chip reached out, and um, it, it's not just the music about you, Kurt. I mean, you, you've led a very well-rounded life in so many so many ways. I mean, there's the uh, there's the movies, uh, there's the music, and I understand you're, you're very entrepreneurial, mate, so it's always a, a pleasure to uh, have a chat with someone who's, um, you know, throwing themselves into life like what you have. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, we, we only live once, and, you know, I, I was, I'm just that kind of guy. I intend to do everything I can the rest of my life to uh, touch others and share, you know, my creations with others and Hopefully that's what I've done up to this point. I just had to figure it all out before I could jump into the fray here in the music business and knew how to survive. So that's such came a back re- into it after. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, mate, but that's such a sorry to interrupt. But that's such a great point because so many people going too early. You know, the Marilyn Monroe syndrome, and they get chewed up and spat out by the bloody system because it is. It's a very narcissistic system, isn't it? Oh, it is, man. And when I when I was in a band early on, like back in the day, I went to University of Cincinnati when I was like 18, 19, 20, those, those years, the mid, mid 80s. And I, I was, bra- I was uh, in a band around the, uh, the K 
campus there playing places around Bogart, Sudsy's, the Plaza, when the Afghan wigs were breaking out of Cincinnati. Okay. They're from my hometown. Yeah. Right. And uh, I just knew there was no way, you know, I could do it. I wasn't mature enough. I was panicky. I didn't have the wherewithal in my brain to, I, I would have just gone out and partied myself to death. So I figure I'll finish my degrees. I'll have a family. And if someday I'm in a position and I've learned and matured enough in the world to do this and do it right, then I'm blessed enough to do it. Then I'll come back. And that's what's happened. So it's all kind of worked. You know, it's weird. It's, it sounds like as though you knew what your life plan was. You know, you're like that. You know, we talk, I talk about that idea of fate and destiny and, and the difference between the two. But it sounds like for you, mate, that, you know, that, that life blueprint that we may or may not be given, but you must have had some awareness of it at a young age. Yeah, I, I always knew I was entrepreneurial because I, uh, I started a lawn business when I was 10. I, sell rides on my moped to my friends. I mean, I was, I was a telemarketer. I, I cared more about that than school. I knew I just needed to get C's to get out of high school. So I graduated high school and with little effort, but worked very hard. And I learned and, and I, I you know, everybody says you got to go to college. It took me six years to get out of college because I couldn't figure it out. I was doing the band stuff. And then I met my, my boy's mom and she kind of whipped me into shape and uh, we had three beautiful sons and, you know, God, thank God every day I've got my three boys and I got to raise them when they were young. And I always, I worked for other companies that my dad worked in the oil business for Chevron and golf oil before they bought them. And he got my foot in the door and I learned the oil business. And I told my dad one day, I go, I, I'm so thankful for what you've done, but I want to do my own thing. I can't work for other people. I can't sit in an office. I can't wear a suit. And he had my back and uh, he's my hero, man. And I uh, just kept doing things to learn how to start those companies. And I did that and they took off. Nobody's handed me anything. And I went down to do a cameo and trading paint with uh, John Travolta and Shania Twain in 2017 because mm -hmm. my brand Starfire was my oil brand Starfire was in uh, the movie and on the, the racers, you know, jacket, Toby Sebastian's jacket and all that. And mm -hmm. they said, man, we'd like to cast you for a speaking role. And before I knew it, I'm doing planning a scene with John Travolta out of nowhere, learn my lines in 30 minutes and. I said, there's my sign. Here we go. Let's go. It and that's like how I figured, yeah, how yeah. I need to go now. There's that, that, you know, I always look for signs and I have very good intuition. And mm. the next thing you know, I'm in Halloween getting killed by Michael Myers. Then I decide to record a few songs with my old writer, Ben uh, Trexel down in Alabama. I said, let me put my voice on this and see. And I said, man, I love this. So here I am, man. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. The way you just articulated your, your journey in so many ways up to this point, because it does. In a nutshell, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot more to it, but I mean, you've picked out some very important moments that for the audience, for people listening that are really cool. Like one of the questions that I yeah. wanted to ask you, and I'll ask you now, Shania Twain, I'm a musician too, and I've had to play a bunch of her music. Was What was she, what was she like to work with? This was uh, 2017. You know, she had kind of disappeared for a while and she mm. came out in this movie. It was, I think it was one of her first movies. I think maybe it was her first movie. And she co-starred along. She played John Travolta's, you know, love interest or whatever in the, mo in the movie. I didn't really see much of it at the time I went to film. And 
we're standing there to do the scene because my scene, I'm the track announcer at the end and I'm interviewing Toby, who, Sebastian from Game of Thrones. That's who I did the speaking parts with and John Travolta, that's John Travolta's son in the movie. And I went up to Shania while we're standing there planning out the scenes and I just kind of said, it's so nice to meet you. And I, we're standing side by side and I said, welcome back. You know, you've been missed because mm. she kind of was on a hi- hiatus for a while. Sweetheart. Nothing like what you would think, you know, just a sweet everyday woman, you know, you know how, the, you know how videos and shit can make us all larger than life. So and, we're all just human beings with a heart and a soul and we just try to be good people. So, but she was, if I'm not mistaken, she was the globe's highest selling musician or musician or singer, what have you from, uh, for a couple of years there. I mean, that album that she released in oh, 1998 yeah. was stratospheric. Oh, yeah. Remember those music videos? Yeah. Yeah, man. I feel yeah, like a man. woman and all the other ones, man. They were everywhere. Now, my creative director and who will be directing my Hellbilly Hollow 2 for my franchise and who's shot my videos that are on YouTube is Paul Boyd. And Paul Boyd shot those Shania Twain videos. Go figure, man. I'm like, now him and I are like, great friends and working every, you know, all the time together on everything. I got videos coming out in a, in a few, you know, over the next two months that Paul Boyd and I just shot and he shot those Shania Twain videos. It's a small world, man. Yeah, it, it is. It is when you put yourself out there and you make yourself available to chance and opportunity as you've done, which, uh, which lead, which leads us up to the, the EP work hard, rock hard, which is actually the catalyst for our conversation. There's so many things we can talk about, but, uh, this is actually the catalyst and it's, uh, it's available now and, and look, Kurt, I've had a few listens and, and I've come up with some descriptors. So tell me if you agree with me. Okay. Okay. Uh, I feel it's mature, hard rock and roll paired with socially aware lyrics, lyrical themes alongside of killer musicianship. And of course, there's your unique vocal to complement everything. What are your thoughts? I think you just summed it up in a nutshell. And I know you've listened to my EP. So it's <laughs> that's it, man. I mean, I'm trying to write from my life experiences. Everybody told me, you know, when you get to Hollywood, when I came out with my demo, you got to get in writing groups and all that. And I'm like, you know, I'm a little more uh, older in life and I have experiences to share. And if I can touch a person every night, every day, anywhere in the world, and they can listen to my lyrics and interpret them, how they apply to their life, I can help that person. And if I can just do that over and over and over, hopefully we can have a movement around the world where people are thinking and they know they can make it. Life is not going to consume you if you want to fight and make it and just look for, you know, that's what I try to share in it. So I write all my own lyrics and that's how we start every song we do. I, t- I send it over to Phil X and Chris Lord Algae and we turn it into these killer tunes. So it's, uh, I appreciate what you just said. It sums me up in a nutshell and what Kurt Dimer, the, the music's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I Look, it's I, I enjoy it, but then I'm I'm 44, and I, I it is mature rock and roll from the perspective that when you really slow down and you listen to your lyrics, okay, the the lyrical themes that they cover uh, internet trolls, such as uh, on the song uh, yeah. back in the school, I think it is, uh, muddy obsessed idiots and frauds and naive compulsions and obsessions on only time will tell you know you're tapping into universal themes so when i say you've got to be mature you've got to have lived a bit of life and, be, and have been burnt and have loved and lost and all of this sort of thing so so, so do these themes do they uh do they come 
is it, like you set out with with a goal and say, I'm going to write about this particular topic or is it more stream of consciousness? Um, no, it's what I don't ever plan anything because I don't think you can write a good song or present a good lyric if you force it. It's I write a lot late at night after I've worked all day. I, I sit down, I have a couple IPAs. I'm just What's chilling and something might pop into my mind and I'll write that one verse or, you know, lyric down. And then I'll often just keep going for like 10, 15 minutes. Boom. I got a song. I'll go back, revisit it, make sure the grammar's right. And then we might change it in the writing process. Once Chris and Bill get a hold of that initial lyric, but I try to write as literal as possible. And then we can interpret my literal lyric and then try to make it into a, a good tune that everybody can sing along with. There's a good hook and it resonates with people. So that it's, it's never forced and it's always something out of my brain and what I've been through in my life and how I, you know, want to convey it to the fan without being so obvious, you know? Mm, yeah. The tune that stood out for me isn't an obvious one, I've got to say, but it's uh, ease it in. Um, because it's got more of a driving yeah. punk feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you get that yeah. feedback often or is it is that the song that people tend to sort of miss or forget about on the EP? Yeah, that's the one, that's the one uh, a lot of people are dig ease it in, but it's not the one we've pushed that much yet. But it, it is. It's reminiscent of it's a, it's a punk rock song pretty much to me. And Phil, what we did on that one, man, I was on a tour back when I was uh, under a different name before I changed to Kurt Dimer. And I was on a, on a tour doing a promotion of uh, early on in my movie that's coming out this year and uh, doing a show with it during COVID because I wanted to get out and see how much I enjoyed being in front of even 10% of a audience that was only allowed in a venue. And uh, they said, they said, I said, I like I like the phrase ease it in and they, they, Everybody on the bus said, I bet you can't write a song about it. I wrote that song in like 10 minutes. And it's it's about just taking your time. Let life come to you. Don't force things. Don't force other people to do things against their will that you, that they don't want to do. Be cool. Empty, the one line, man, uh, bad time in control, empty toilet paper roll. You know, you go to the restroom, you figure out there's no toilet paper after the fact, but you got to figure <laughs> You got to figure it out, man, and take it easy, ease it in, figure it out. So it's got this sexual connotation to it, which I think catches people's attention. But if you really listen to the song, it's about all those different things. Mm -hmm. Yep, not kill a tune, kill a tune. And uh, one of the reasons, yeah. one of the reasons I like it too, is because it, it presents a different side of Phil X's guitar playing. Who is uh, the people who aren't aware is Richie Sambora's successor in, in Bon Jovi. So that's really saying something. Now. You've worked with him very closely, evidently. What do you think makes his guitar playing so unique? Phil X? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Phil, Phil is number one. Him and I have become dear friends. We're very close just besides what we're doing together musically, and we're, we both feel very blessed that our paths crossed at this time in our life. We're a month apart in age. Um, we have a lot of family similarities, and... Uh, when I was, I brought my demo to Chris Lord Algie and he kind of took me under his wing and found, discovered me, if you will. Hmm. He said, I, that have a cigar cover you didn't really want to do. I want to show you what I can do with it. And uh, I was doing some promo work and I came back and he played that for me. And I heard that guitar solo Phil X did. Still, I didn't know that was Phil X. Hmm. 
And I, I, got, I was getting shivers, dude, and I about felt passed out. I'm like, what the hell? That is some wicked guitar. Who is that? And that's how I met Phil X. And the next thing, the first day we met was the day we shot that music video on YouTube. And we kept writing. After that point, I said, let's try to write a few things. The first song we did together was Back of the School. And uh, we just kept writing and we keep writing and we're still writing and we can't stop. Dude, we probably got four or five EPs teed up with no filler ready to go. Hmm. But that ease it, that ease it in song, then he comes at me with that style and that just came out of the blue. I didn't think we were going to do anything with the lyrics. And he goes, I took that ease it in lyrics you wrote, listen to this. And that's what came of that. And it was like amazing. Hmm. So he's an amazing guitar player. And once I approached him about going on this journey with me the rest of our lives and building Kurt Dimer into a major act headliner all over the world, which is our goal. He was all in. And I said, we'll work around what you got going on with Bon Jovi. And uh, I can shoot a movie while you're on tour with him. And if not, we'll build a band that's the same people all the time. So the four of us can go out and present the music. And then once you're done, if there's a, an overlap, you come on in and here we are. It's so we're building a family, man, and we're going to come come for everybody all over the world. We just got to keep getting our music out because he is one of the best guitar players. And I told him, I want you to be unleashed. You've done studio work. You have to play Richie's stuff in Bon Jovi. He's never got to unleash himself, really. And uh, this is Phil X Unleashed. And I think people are going to see he's probably one of the best guitar players they've ever heard. I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that, and I'm a guitar-playing connoisseur from the perspective that I'm a lifelong student and uh, and fan of guitar-playing, you know, the greats, Randy Rhodes, J.K. Lee. Oh, uh, you know, you're wearing an Iron Maiden T-shirt there. How can I go past Adrian Smith, for example? And and Phil is he's definitely up there, you know. And, and the reason I say that is because apart from your music, there's some fan-filmed uh, material from your shows online and watching him play the thing i love about watching him play is it's raw it's not that real sort of neat sort of you know what i mean it's rock and roll it's heavy metal as well with his guitar playing and i don't that wasn't something i was expecting to see when i was looking at him live so he certainly brings a lot of energy to what you're doing oh yeah him him, him and i do we can't wait to get out on stage and just be ourselves i mean it, what, what, we, not, we want to present the music correctly and as close to the album as we can and do it all real. But when we're on stage, I'm like in a whole different universe. And so is Phil. And you will never see us stop moving or getting into it because it's a show. I mean, when people go to a show, they want to be entertained. Hmm. And I know that from acting and everything else. And you've only seen a little bit of it now. I'm, we're just getting started. I mean, we're opening for people now. Once we get to do our own show, it's going to be a theatrical crazy oh it's just I, I don't i can't even describe it to you we just got to get there so hey you've mentioned chris lord algae uh, a few times there so uh what what were some of the key things you learned from working with him oh man that's that's crazy it i brought my demo out here and the demo i brought out here i'd actually had mixed by a pretty good um a mixer out on the east coast but i still wasn't happy with the sounds i was getting so i came out here and one of my prior managers said well there's a couple people we had a list he goes well chris lord algae's a long shot but well, let me reach out because this is right as COVID hit hmm. and he agreed to take a look and gave me a good rate at right at the beginning of COVID. and he heard my demo and he mixed it without any question asked and was very kind and then we met out for dinner one night 
and we have become best friends since and he we're brothers and we do things outside of music together we go to shows together i mean a friendship was born and dude he's he's won five grammys he's one of the best producers in the world he is a genius he's the best one of the best mixers in the world as well and he really didn't produce as much because he'll, he'll, he hasn't done a lot of that, but he was all in on me because he believes in my sound. He believes in my originality. He believes in my lyrics, my style, my vibe. And he's a rock and roll dude. And that's all we're trying to do. And I, I'll compare it a lot. And this all tie Phil X into this too. One of Phil X's favorite guitarists is Eddie Van Halen. Remember when Van Halen came out, it was simple. They were Van Halen, simple album cover rocking tunes did it their own way and that's what we're modeling ourselves after so we're doing it our way rock and roll you like it great you don't thank you for listening and uh not all of us like everything you hear on the, you know but i think if enough people hear it we're gonna have a pretty big following all over the world so we just got to keep doing what we do and love what we love to do and keep getting people to to be introduced to our music well, something else that'll help is that um, you've partnered with Jeff Tate on Burn Together. So tapping into his his worldwide acclaim, if you like, is uh, that's a good move. That's a good move there. But it is a killer tune unto itself. So Jeff Tate, and I must say, Jeff Tate's responsible for one of the most perfect songs I believe ever written, which is or one half of the songwriting duo alongside of Chris DeGamo in Jet City Woman. So how did, yeah. how did, the, how did the collaboration with Jeff come about? Well, uh, my management team, my managers, Andy Gould and Paul Gargano and Paul Gargano is a big, big Queensryche fan. And he, uh, once we were getting ready and we knew the CP was going to be in the works to come out, we were looking for a tour to support it. And he reached out to the Tates cause he's good friends with them and knew that they had a tour coming up. So they flew down to LA and met with all of us. And I met Jeff for the first time. And again, I'm having another surreal moment that day. Like here I am with Jeff Tate. Okay. The, my, like the guy I saw on MTV with an orchestra singing silent lucidity, mm -hmm. an icon and rock and roll a legend. What a voice yeah, totally different than mine, but his own unique style operatic, just phenomenal and so paul gargano set that up he came down uh, we agreed to do the tour together the support I said what song would you like to have jeff featured on i picked burn together because i thought it fit in that mold of what jeff's done in the past and it got to show our two voices and how they could work together so i picked burn together he came to the studio with chris lord algae we recorded that he came back down graciously to shoot the music video out in the desert with me and Phil X and Paul Boyd, the director. And next thing you know, we're touring and hanging out and we're friends and he will be somebody I'll never forget the rest of my life. He's a mentor along the way who believed in me and supported me and helped me get to where I'm headed. Just like somebody probably did for him back in the day. So I'm very blessed to have him in my life. A name there that you mentioned, I wasn't wasn't anticipating would come up in the chat, and it's a, it's only a name I was talking about a year ago or so with uh, Mike Greenblatt from the editor of uh, one of the greatest magazines of all time, uh, Long Long Gone, but um, Metal Maniacs. You mentioned Paul Gargano, who's your manager there. Now he had a lot to do with um, Metal Edge, Metal Maniacs, these sort of magazines. Yes, I had no yes. idea, to be honest with you, that he was involved in uh, management as well. And it sounds like it must be his bread and butter. So, how did your introduction to him come about? Uh, 
Well, um, my tour manager, my sound engineer on the road, Kyle Gerhardt, um, once I had to get rid of my last manager, who, who my prior managers up until Andy and Paul are pretty much what the song Naive's about, you know, and everybody else who was trying to take advantage of me along the way. Mm, yeah. We were looking for management, and Andy Gould had managed Scott Stapp, Lincoln Park, Rob Zombie, who does, of course, horror movies and rock and roll. Um, back in the day, he helped build Rob Zombie. And when I hired Andy, little did I know, Paul Gargano came along with Andy. Gargano came along with Andy as part of the management team. So when I hired Andy Gould and we agreed to work together, Paul came with Andy. So that's how we got hooked up. And great guy. We're good friends now. And he still does stuff for Metal Edge and all that. And uh, mm. manages Drowning Pool and some other bands. And uh it's taking really good care of me and helping me grow. So, yeah, it was interesting. I was going to try to reach out to him. It's an idea now that's sort of evaporated into the ether as they tend to, but reach out to him to see if I could resurrect Metal Maniacs online because it's uh, it was a very important part of my youth and growing up. It's where I found out about yeah. so many bands and uh, and uh, it's it's gone, it's it's dormant, but maybe that's where it's meant to be. These things, you know, they sort of evolve and sort of extinguish themselves the way they do, I think. Yeah, you, you, and you never know, man. Only time will tell. It could come back. You just never know. Watch for the signs. Yes. Or maybe there's a maybe there's a new format, you know? Indeed. Watch for the signs. I like that, those sliding doors that you've been so good at taking advantage of. And uh, I, I did one of the other uh, strings to your bow, so to speak, that you have is uh, you're a podcaster as well, and that's, that's what I do. That's my main, I call it a hobby, but it's a very engaging hobby. It's something I spend a lot of time doing. But uh, your hobby, uh, your, your podcast is Beers with Bald Men. Is, is that an ongoing concern, that one there, or have you sort of put that one to the side for the No, that, see, like you were just talking about your show, hmm. that, that's something I did years ago that is just, that was the time and the place for it. That was me cutting my teeth, seeing if I wanted to get back into the entertainment. You know how I took that long hiatus for family and hmm. building my other companies. And it was just a stepping stone along the way, just like every artist goes through. You kind of throw something out there or do this or that until you find your niche. And it was a stepping stone to where I finally figured out I want to build one of the biggest rock bands in the world and I want to do movies. And that was just one of those steps along the way to coming to that conclusion. It's not a bad one. I had to listen to it, mate. I had to listen to a couple of episodes and put it this way. I didn't turn it off. Really? Yeah, yeah, and no, I got, got how to did you How did you find an episode? They're not, there's not supposed to be any out there. Oh, no, they're on Spotify. <laughs> they're out there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they're that's out so there. funny. For, for better or for worse. So, look, these days, I when I post an episode, it ends up, I think last count, there was something like 15 or 16 different syndicated places, you know, Russian places and you know, other language, Portuguese language places and um, that tend to rebroadcast it all. And you've just got no control over it once it's out there on the internet. I mean, no, you, know, you no. know how it is. It's the Wild West, mate. And it was just, you know, it's a very entertaining and I would love to keep doing it. But, you you know, this is what my focus is now. And that was a time where I got to do something with my son and my son and I, he was, in, you know, finished college and we have something to have in our memory. Um, and, and uh, something we got to do together because not many people get to work with their son and do something so much fun like that. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. You can do that. Yeah. Um, better ask how much how much time have I got left with you? Oh, I'm fine. My my next interview is not for a while. So okay, sweet. Sorry, you were saying something about your son. Go for it. No, it was just cool. it was just cool. And if you've heard it, my son was my son was mini me. So, <laughs> <laughs> which he pretty much is. He's a, he's a great kid. He's 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 uh. A great son and we had a lot of fun with that so that's cool you brought that up is he uh is he following your footsteps so to speak and in, in the entertainment and the you know being entrepreneurial in that way no luke luke is working for my oil brand starfire he uh he works at our home office in cincinnati and i think he'll he'll uh follow my footsteps in the oil business now he, he was helping me a little bit at the beginning you know when we did that or He'd help me when I go out to record or shoot music videos and stuff early on. But, you know, he wants to settle down and have a family. And, you know, he, he's he got a big opportunity ahead of him if he really takes advantage of the fact his dad started Starfire and wants to be a part of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, Apart from putting petrol in my car whenever it needs it, I know nothing about the oil industry, I must confess. So can you tell me about what, what it's like being involved in that business? And is that something that's a bit of a legacy from when your father was in the business? Well, Star, my father worked for Golf and Chevron, but what there is, there's a fuel side, which everybody's used to. They watch the prices at the gas station. It goes up and down. It fluctuates all the time. But then there's also a lubricant side. So all the factories or the trucks or the cars and everybody has to put oil in their car. It's called lubricants. So what my company does is makes, makes all the lubricants, the finished products from the crude and the oil and the base oil. Hmm. I have my own blend plant now up in Pennsylvania as well that feeds my other company in Cincinnati, and we make finished lubricant products. And if you go to starfire.com, you can see and you'll you'll get what I'm saying because it's all the 10W30, 5W40, you know, all that kind of stuff, windshield wiper fluid, antifreeze. We do brake fluids, power steering, all those finished products. So that's the business that uh, Starfire is in my companies. Yep, gotcha. I'm looking at the I website. I don't deal on fuel at all. Fuel is too tough and it's too much money and you don't get paid and it's uh, it's a very thin margin part of the business. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. The petrol stations make money or selling cans of Coca-Cola rather than the fuel, don't they? Right. Yeah, yeah the petrol stations make all their money in their C-store and mm. the fuel is to get you to come into the C-store. So yeah. Cokes and cigarettes and all that stuff. The fountain drink is, they make more off fountain drinks than gasoline. It begs a question, though, speaking, how on earth do you juggle it all? Me? Yeah. How do you juggle well, this business, the music, the the uh, the movies and the films? Well, um, I, my company, I used to sell everything, and I built my organization kind of in an inverted model. Um, I was the the owner, the president, the CEO, but I was also the top salesman. So I hired people along the way since 99 when I first started with 40 grand in a checking account and no bank believed in me. Kind of like, it's kind of like the music business. You know, nobody wants to uh, believe in me until I have a bunch of followers and I've done all the work myself. And then they all come out of the woodwork and the oil business was the same. Nobody, oh, you'll fail. Every business fails. And I said, no, okay, whatever. So I started it on my own, figured out how to raise 40 grand, buying investment real estate and helping people, you know, with housing and 
was able to pull some cash out of those properties, put 40 grand in the bank, started that. And it just took off from there. And about three years in, you know, all the banks came knocking on the door. Oh, he actually has a business and knows what he's doing. And hmm. which you got to fight for it. And that's why some people, so many people fail and give up because they don't persevere through all the struggles you have to go through to succeed. If, if you were to, if someone was, you know, 18, 19 years of age, a bit lost in life, and they sat next to you on a plane and they said, look, Kurt, I'm a bit lost. What's the best piece of advice you could give me? What would your answer be? Um, I would gladly talk to them the whole flight because I love helping other people. I believe I would tell them this is one thing I strongly believe in life. The more you give, the more you get. You want to hoard. You want to be greedy. You want to be selfish. You're going to stop the flow of success coming to you. The more you give, the more you get. Be kind. Work hard during the day. If you want to party, party after you've done all your work and have a great time. But though the next day you got to get up and go back to work. So don't overdo it if you can't handle it and just be good to other people. Be kind, learn, actually listen when people are talking, because you can learn a lot just by having to meet conversations with different people you meet in your walk, walks to life. Be observant, go with your intuition. And again, just always treat people with kindness and respect and love and dignity uh, promote peace and uh, just be a good human being in general, tap into your heart, use it and be a good soul and work hard. What's your advice on handling on conflict? So whether it be business or within the band or what have you, you you strike me as a guy who's very level headed and able to uh, deal with a lot of the different personalities given you've got, you've got your, your oil business, but I mean, we we both know. I'm a musician, as I've mentioned. Uh, being in a band is bloody hard work, and you've got to deal with different different temperaments and the like. So, how have you handled conflict over the years? Well, it, it, was, it was very important to me when Phil and I built the band that we Phil found people that we meshed with that were that we could all get along a bit. We're like a family now. We before we play, we all do a circle. It's like our fellowship. We we're just dudes at the same point in our lives that want to be together and not do it the way, like everybody says, Kurt, you can just be Kurt Dimer and get session people to go on to. No, I want a family. Like back when I went to go see these bands in the late seventies, early eighties, you could count on seeing the same people all the time. I remember seeing Iron Maiden with the lead singer before Bruce, but once Bruce came, they took off and that's, it means pretty much all the same dudes. And I like that. I, I like continuity. I like I liked it back when baseball or sports teams they had the same lineups every day, not different names every day. You know, it builds consistency and it builds um, tightness in the band. So we don't have a lot of controversy on the road. But if we do, I'm very level headed. I process it. I try to keep everybody calm, and we just all try to find a solution without a bunch of panic because. I used to panic and I, but I've learned a lot by running these companies and starting my own businesses and making a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes. So I, it, I don't get very worked up anymore. 
And to go back to, I, I didn't really answer your other question properly. I've got Darren Ward, who grew up in, with me in this, my Coolens Plus, came on board around 2006, and he runs all those companies now for me. So I, I'm only engaged in big final decisions if I need to be. Okay. And I'm really, I'm hands off that company now. And it's probably jumped 50 times the value now because I'm no longer relied on to sell and we're growing like crazy. So I didn't mean to skip on answering that. No, no, it's okay. I didn't I didn't want to pry too hard either because obviously, you know, you've got investors or what have you or, you know, stakeholders and the like. Nope. And I felt like... Uh, I'm the investor. We're privately held. I'm, I I don't want to get mixed up with all that stuff there. Yeah. That's a whole other animal. Maybe someday. Yeah, maybe someday. Maybe uh, after you've made your millions in the uh, entertainment industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you never, you never know, man. You just got to kind of be able to pivot and go with what comes at you and... Mm. That's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So right now, my focus is to build a big following so we can start headlining and do these shows that like nobody's ever seen before, because it's what I've been waiting to do my whole life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, I think it'll happen, mate. I mean, it sounds like you've been successful at everything that you put your hand to, but it's through hard-won experience. Nothing's been handed to you. You've, you've pivoted. You've right. learned from your mistakes, and you've, you've, you know, law of attractions kicked in, and the right people have sort of... They've just appeared, but they've appeared because of your hard work. Chris, Lord Algae, Phil X. I mean, these sort of people don't just come along to a, to a fellow who uh, is, uh, you know, it, there's not a fluke is what I'm saying. Right. No, it's, you know, I, I often say I'm lucky, but then people tell me that, no, Kurt, you work really hard and you're, you're, you're the people and people believe in you. And it's that's, you know, quite surreal and very, nice and kind of people to do. And, you know, Chris, you hear about people getting discovered. Chris Lord Algae is literally the person who's changed my whole trajectory because he discovered me. Phil mm -hmm. X discovered that him and I are very similar and he believes and we're very similar dudes and we write together. It's magical. And uh, he feels just as blessed as I do. And he's been doing this for 30 years. So it's, you just got to, be good to people, man, and watch for the signs and roll with it and uh, just take care, do your job right and be kind to everybody. So, mm -hmm. Indeed, yeah. Well, Kurt, I'll, I'll make this my last question or thereabouts for you. Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, right. um, you did some touring with Eddie Trunk. So Eddie is one of those fellows that I think is a bit misunderstood these days. He certainly cops a bit of shit from, from elements of the media, you know, the, the, the rock and metal media, if you like, because he's, he's very opinionated, but I've always found him to be uh, very, I've interacted with him on Twitter. He's always been a very polite, very nice fellow. Was that your experience? Yeah. Eddie Trump is very polite, very kind, um, very supportive. I mean, he had me on Hair Nation early on when I was still going under my old artist named Bald Man and would play Have a Cigar on Hair Nation, do interviews. He'd introduce me at my shows, you know, during COVID. This was all during COVID. And then the, the, that that bad first year when everybody was going crazy. So, he's yeah, he's very kind. All, all he, I see what you're talking about. All he's pointing out is he just wants people to perform and and put on shows without, you know, lip syncing and all that. And that's everybody's entitled to your opinion. Take it for what it's worth, but it doesn't make you know, it's like the song back at the school. You don't have, everybody doesn't have to be so mean. It's just an opinion and, you know, give mm -hmm. your opinion, but we don't have to rip on each other. Just like 
people go, okay, well, Kurt Dimer does have a cigar and his voice isn't the same as Pink Floyd's and he sucks and all, you know, it's like, dude, I don't like a lot of music out there, but I don't sit there and tell the artists they suck or that they're just be little people. You just move on, man. We all don't like the same toppings on our pizza. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Let's all just be kind to each other, but there's so much toxicity in the world now and there's bullies and they're on the internet now. And it's a shame because a lot of people can't take that. And a lot of kids are committing suicide because they're bullied on the internet and people, it's a problem that people need to, to look at because if we were just kind to each other, there'd be a lot less suicides going on. Yeah, indeed there would be. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Poor old Eddie. He, uh, I love the fact that he has an opinion. Now I don't agree with his opinion all the time either, but I don't, to your point, go online and even say anything about it. I mean, I'm, I'm got right. a family and a career and lawns need to be mowed and pets need to be fed and all the rest of it. Who cares about having an opinion about somebody else's opinion for the most part? Just right. listen to it and move on, wait until they introduce a new topic and see if you agree with them on that one. Yeah, and, and if you look at his opinions too, it's not like he went in and ripped the band apart and like called the people out and belittled their humanity. He just was making an opinion about lip syncing and how it's getting a little too too much in his mind. And right or wrong, it's his opinion. What happened to all of us being able to have different opinions in the world, but we all still get along? Now it's like you're either on this team or the other, and there's going to be a fight. You know, it's just not right. It's not it's not the way humanity was supposed to be. We're all supposed to be working together to try to survive on this planet spinning around in this space that we're in and make the best of it, not destroy it. Yeah, well, certainly in the Western Hemisphere, you know, we uh, we went through something called the Enlightenment, okay, where we understood that you could have different perspectives, different opinions and the like, and, of course, that was all rooted in religion, but its influence has been profound on society, broadly speaking. <laughs> but, but people, to your point, we are sort of going back into, and I think it is social media that's driving this, going back into this, this duality where there's just you're either with me or you're against me. It's so tribal, isn't it? You, you see it in politics, the way, yeah. um, you know, I, I see, uh, dare I say it, the way a lot of the members of the uh, or supporters of the Democratic Party, the way that they carry on about anybody that had a slightly positive opinion about Trump, this sort of thing. Uh, it happens here in Australia too, mate. It's the same, same. I think, again, in the Western Hemisphere, the world over. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. And I hope, I hope humanity can overcome it and common sense can overcome it and that we can all live in harmony all over the world. But... If you look back in history, you study history, it just seems like it's just an ongoing thing, just a different time. And uh, it's it's getting, I don't know, man. It's the most turbulent time I've had my my little blip here on Earth. But uh, yes, think I of all the it, things bro. other people went through before we were even born, you know, if you look back at history. But now nobody wants to value history. So if you don't want to look at history, how are you going to learn about how to not repeat it? So it's yeah. a catch-22. It is, mate. Unfortunately, history is written. It's not observed. Um, and it's a narrative these days, history. I mean, we're seeing that constantly, textbooks being rewritten and experiences human and, and, and the experience of human suffering has been trivialised. Uh, you know, identity politics and intersectional politics and all this bullshit that is out there. And uh, it just seeks to divide people. 
You know, it's uh, yeah. It's and, very- and history and history history isn't true history if you have people wanting to write it and manipulate it to fit their narrative. Right. They they want to put into your brain. You know, let it all be free. Let it speak for itself and let people interpret it the way they want. Mm. But I've got to say, and I'll make this my final point, I've got to say that at least we've got people like you out there who are actually, you're helping forge humanity forward from the perspective that you've been creative. That's the key word there because creativity is something that effectively comes from out of thin air. You bring things out from the ether, from the cosmos, and you're putting via music, you're contributing, you're actually doing it, mate. And, you know, thank you for doing that because if it wasn't for the musicians, the artists, the actors, the directors, you know, this sort of thing, mate, where the hell would we be? Exactly. Well, people people tend to keep things bottled up inside and there's a lot more creatives out there but they suppress it i mean hell i suppress my creative side you know besides design developing oil products for 30 years and i'll tell you it's it stressed me out and it, it, i always felt a little off and i feel better now than i did you know since i was a little boy and had no worries in the world because i finally am doing what i was called to do instead of suppressing it but I had to do what I had to do to, I've got three beautiful kids. I've got great companies that I've built that are doing good in the world that are helping others. And it helps me do this and be able to fight this fight. And now I can share all that suppressed creativity with everybody. Instead of going to therapy and all that, I'm just sharing it with the world and hopefully helping others. So, Mm. Well, you're doing a great job, mate. This EP here, I hope it finds the audience that you deserve, you so richly deserve here. You know, you've, you've got your movies, you've got your Hellbilly Hollow. I just encourage everybody to listen to, to dive into your universe and give you a chance because I think that uh, there's, whether it be the music uh, or all the movies, there's something out there for everybody if they choose to give you a chance. There you go. That's all I'm looking for is a chance and, you know, Help help me get to that point where the record label and the you know the booking agents and all that kind of stuff see okay well I know they're all going to want to jump on board when I build it but right now I'm building it organically there's nothing not real about me and it just takes all of us spreading the word together you know I'm on Instagram Facebook YouTube Twitter all at Kurt Dimer I'm probably going to start putting my videos on TikTok so that it promotes yeah. people to go to the other. My website's KurtDimer.com, and I'm on all streaming, and Kurt Dimer, Kurt Dimer, Kurt Dimer. Let's all, <laughs> we, we like to say it's the Kurt Dimer family we're building. I've got the Kurt Dimer fam club coming. I've already got people want, that are running that, and uh, we've only, in the words of the Carpenters, we've only just begun. <laughs> well, long may you reign, brother. Long may you continue to do what you're doing. I'm enjoying it, that's for sure, and I'll be along for the ride as well. Oh, well, thank you, man. And I appreciate folks like you who take the time to really get to know me and what I'm all about and spread the word on my music, because without you, I would never have a chance. So, And you're in Australia? Yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, you know, you know the Hoodoo Gurus? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yep, Dave Faulkner. My favorite, my favorite band, man. My favorite band. I saw the gurus all the time in the late 80s. And I used to, when I played in my band in college, when I set up back at UC, I probably covered five of their tunes. Well, you mentioned Afghan Wigs, and that's uh, that wasn't a band I was expecting you to mention. And they're not they're not the same they're not the same as the Hoodoo Gurus, but they're part of that college radio scene. And yeah, and they were they were. I don't know whether the Afghan Wigs were big out here, but they had the same audience, so that doesn't surprise me. But uh, well, I'd, I'd love to see you down here on that front because there are a lot of bands like the Hoodoo Gurus that are still going, and I think you'd fit into that scene beautifully. 
Oh, I, I, I'm, in fact, I'm talking, I'm going to be talking to my management and I've been thinking about it. I'd love to do a, a thing with the gurus where they come to the U S and maybe I headline and they play and we draw their fans and we do a co-tour here. Then I come down to Australia and, you know, open for them down in Australia. So yeah. that may be in the works because they were definitely one of the big inspirations of why I wanted to get into music was going to guru shows and I wouldn't, wouldn't miss them, man. They were, they're so good. When you, That's if you awesome. know, Dave, if you'd see him, tell him I said hello and check my shit out and say hi. Oh, I think he's down in Sydney these days, isn't he? Yeah. I'll, uh, you know, I will, if ever I bump into him at one of those events, mate, yeah. ever get a chance to chat to him, mate, I'll pass it on. Don't worry about that. It's not, you might be able to tell from listening to my album. You, did you get a, a kind of a Dave Faulkner vibe a little from my vocals? I, I did to did. be honest with you, but I'm going to re-listen to it now and actually and try and join those dots. Yeah, yeah, because I, I did what's my scene. I did middle of the land. I did oh I can't that big song. Uh, you are my bittersweet. You know all that yeah. stuff. So yeah, you know big influence. Yeah, you know it. So, that's cool. That's really cool, man. I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, a bit of Oz Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of my major influence Huda gurus. So oh, that's killer. What's, yeah. No worries, mate. All right, well, good. Best of luck with everything. Hopefully, we see you down here soon, and I hope our paths cross again. Well, anytime you want to have me on, Andrew, I'd love to. I'd love to do whatever you need, and uh, I hope our paths cross as well. And thank you so much for having me, man. My pleasure, mate. No worries at all. Enjoy the rest I'll of the see day. You in, I'll see you in Australia soon, I promise. Oh, fingers crossed. I'll be in the audience for sure. Yeah, no worries. All right, brother. We'll get together. We'll have a beer. I'd love that, mate. I'd love that. That'd be all cool. right, brother. Peace to everybody in Australia and thank you so much for everything. Thanks, brother. No worries. Have All a right. great one. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Gotcha. What do you think? I reckon Kurt's one of those fellas that if we'd crossed paths at work or, I don't know, some other venture in life where we uh, were able to hang around with each other a bit more, I reckon we'd be mates. What a lovely fella, just down to earth. He's just got it all going for him and he's a stunning singer and musician to boot. Truly do hope that he comes down to Australia and tours with some of those killer bands like you heard, Hoodoo Gurus, Powderfinger's another one. Gosh, you could fit him with just about any of the Oz Rock stuff in my opinion, but uh, let's just hope he comes down here either way. Well, that's it for another episode. If you haven't checked out my book, do go across to scarsandguitars.com and follow the links to a marketplace of your choice where you can download a sample to read. Try before you buy if you like. I appreciate all the support. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. <laughs>